I want you to set them aside. And the ones that bend over to the water, I want you to set them aside. And then he says, the ones that lift the water up and lap like a dog will be the ones that, you want, that I want you to take. And that number was 300. You see, that was the journey that I started on. And I had no idea that it was. It was such a reliant walk with God, but yet willing to look like a dog. See, I, I, I used to be real bold. I'm, I, ain't, I ain't ashamed of the gospel. Throw me in the middle of Walmart. Tell me to talk to everybody about Jesus and you'll see me quiver. All right? I'm serious. And that's a heart passion of mine now. But seriously, like, that was me. I was so bold. But when he spoke that to me, I was like... You want me to be willing to even look like a dog? But I thought I heard that God wouldn't, wouldn't ever, um, he wouldn't embarrass you. How many, how many of you wives would want to be with a husband that is embarrassed of you? And wants you to be a certain way so that you're not embarrassed? And I understand like, you know. There's some guys sitting there thinking, like, you don't know what she was doing up on top of that table last night. You know what I'm saying? No, this is church. This is church, guys. So, but I understand if there's, like, absolutely obscene things. Like, but what I'm saying is, is, like, we, we as husbands need to love our wives. We as husbands, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, when I walk in the room with Kirsty, I'm not embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, this is who I got, got to marry. You know what I mean? And... And he's looking for people that's not embarrassed. That even if to the world we look like dogs. Right? But see, the other thing that he showed me was... was uh, because I was... I mean, I remind you that this is coming from me being ready to go to war against hell itself. Right? And I'm like, all right. So I'm just like being reliant on him and he's starting to show me stuff, you know. And go ahead and turn to Ezekiel 37. I ain't even started in my notes yet and I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> and as you're turning there, I'm going to keep talking because as, as he started showing me this stuff, he started showing me that we have to be reliant on him no matter what battle we're in. See, so many times we get into this place where we're, we got these first heaven battles going on and we're trying to beat them with first heaven solutions, but they're influenced from second heaven. Now, some of you guys just went like, that went too deep. That's not deep. I'm going to simplify this, okay? First heaven, just what we can see, right? And there's a bunch of theological stuff, you know, that can be talked about. And if you want to theologically debate with me call email josh smith or call him not me okay because i'm not a theologist anyways i told him i was going to do that to him is he still in here no dang it anyways but um so first heaven is what we can see what god created what we can see it's our realm right second heaven um and it, and it doesn't say first heaven it doesn't say second heaven but how it's always explained to me, second heaven is a realm around that, the spiritual realm around that. In Ephesians, it says, Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers and of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Well, I know for a fact that the demons ain't still in heaven with God, right? So there's, there's a... There's a heavenly there's a realm of heaven right that the demonic forces reside and that is what i've always been known as second heaven so that's the way i'm talking third heaven was spoken of and this is why that there's talk of first and second heavens right so first heaven is talked about in second corinthians 12 2 where paul is talking about they're talking and he says i know a man in christ who 14 years ago whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Okay? So that's just to simplify. This is just me trying to explain what I'm saying here. 
So he's talking about being up in the third heaven. And if you go on in that chapter, he's talking about being with the Father. So the third heaven is where the Father resides, where God resides, right? Second heaven, the demonic forces are there. First heaven, our realm, okay? So we got these first heaven battles going on, and we're trying to come at them with first heaven solutions, first heaven strategies. But they're influenced from second heaven, from the demonic forces. We got to learn to start recognizing which battle is a spiritual battle. And because some of them, you know, like I was talking to Josh about this. I was like, you know, overeating could be a spiritual, spiritual thing, right? But on the same token, I'm going to tell you right now, I just like my Reese's cups. It is not a spiritual thing. You know what I mean? And I seriously think I just hit my final stride. Those of you who fasted back in May with us, like, I just hit it because, like, I'm back to my normal just this last week. I'm drinking Coke. I'm drinking, you know, drinking coffee. I'm all this stuff, eating a couple of Reese cups a day. That's not spiritual. So I'm not saying that all things are spiritual things, Right? It's not all spiritual battles, but we have to learn to recognize the things that are. And when we recognize that, we have to start going to the third heaven to get the third heaven strategies to defeat the second heaven. Does that make sense? So, so he starts taking me in, in this journey of learning how to defeat the second heaven battles. And... And in this year of 2020, we're in major battles, right? We're in all kinds of battles. Like, there's stuff being unveiled that I had, I never even would have dreamed of. I mean, common sense can't even think of this stuff. You know what I mean? There is so much crap going on. And sorry if I'm not supposed to say crap. Pastors ain't here, but Mark, correct me if I'm supposed, not supposed to. Um, but there is. I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, in, we've seen stuff that I never thought we'd see in my lifetime, you know, especially recycled toilet paper. I'm like, who uses recycled toilet paper? Not me. I won't even use it if it's recycled after me, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, that's just, that's sick. I mean, I was going looking for toilet paper. I'm like, I've seen way more than I ever thought I would now, you know. But no, back to seriousness, there's like a lot of spiritual battles going on, right? And, and a lot of people said 2020 was going to be a year of vision. And now everybody's like, this is not a year of vision. I think it was. I think this is a year of vision. But I think it's not a vision of what we was talking about, what we was thinking it was going to be. We was thinking he's going to give us vision on where to go. Or we was, like, this is going to be a dream, like, uh, like new jobs, new this, new that. I think he has shown us a vision of where we're at as a, as a people. The state of the being that we're in. And we argue and argue about rights. This right, that right. Uh, this ain't going to be popular in here, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now. But I really feel like I'm supposed to say it. I told, I told Kirsty this. And if God reminded me of it, I was going to say it. So here it is. So... In Christ, we are supposed to die to ourselves, right? So we die, and even in baptism, we're buried with him, right? And then we're raised up. What, what rights does a dead man have? What are we arguing about then? The only rights that we have should be in Jesus. And so if we're seated with him in the higher places, then we should be coming at those rights with a heavenly perspective. It's not always going to be just off the cuff of our hand that we can say, oh, that, that's, for, that's for us. Let me tell you something. Paul was arrested and thrown in jail. Preached to Paul about rights. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't be trying to uh, move towards the direction of keeping us free, that we could preach the gospel here in the United States? Absolutely. That's what we should be doing. We should be voting for people that, that are going to be in office that are in alignment with the Word of God. Yes. Fully, fully agree with that. But if we're arguing and dividing ourselves from people because it's our right, this right, and all this stuff is going on, it's not a heavenly perspective. You've got to remember that, that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but that's not his main purpose. His main purpose is to divide us. 
His main purpose is to divide us from God, to separate us. So knowing his strategies, we already know his ways, but we just need to go to the third heaven to get the, um, to get the heavenly strategies to defeat him, right? So let's go to 30, uh, Ezekiel 37. Starting in, here in verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. So one of the keys that I, that I got out of this uh, chapter here in those verses is, one, we have to get in the valley. Yes. See, see, Ezekiel recognized he was seeing the, the dry bones. And see, that's what I see with the vision of 2020. He opened up this veil and says, this is where you're at. Right, right. You got a bunch of dry bones. Yeah. You got a bunch of dead and I'm talking even in the church, not just outside the church. There's people leaving church because of this and that, because uh, all this stuff. There was fear all this time. There's stuff being unveiled in us. There's light being shown on it. Like he just opened it and said, this is the valley of what, with the state that you're at. I was walking yesterday, just praying and worshiping God, just trying to get everything in line and, uh, for this message. And, and uh, I, I was walking on our ditch road and I come around this one corner and I get this big whiff of just dead. It, it was a kill pile that the, that the rancher over there uh, did. And I, was, I thought about that with Ezekiel, like walking through the valley of dry bones, walking through the valley of death. I mean, think about Jesus when he come down from heaven of thing of full of life. And I, I've never had it, but I've heard people say that they have had a sense of smell of heaven when the presence of God has come down at different times, right? And they say it's just extravagant, right? Think about the smells that Jesus was used to and coming down into the world, the valley of dry bones. Let's move on here. Chapter or, uh, 37, 4. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, covering you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I, command, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together. Bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So he, he was told. So God spoke to him. So he got this revelation, right, from third heaven, spoke to him and said to prophesy to these bones, right? So he got that revelation. He we have to speak. That's, that's the second key. We have to be willing to speak. We have to speak even if we're looking like a dog lapping water. You hear me? Because who in our culture, in our day-to-day, who in their right mind would see a valley of dry bones and think that we're going to speak to them and they're going to come to life? Let me tell you something. People are going to look at you like you're a dog. Like you're lapping water like a dog. And they're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? But see, there was, there was a key thing there because he, the, the flesh come over him. But there's still no, no uh, breath. There was movement. There was uncomfortability that happened, right? So here in, in verse 9. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. So what is, what's our breath? What's the breath of life that we got? God? It's God's the one who breathed in Adam, right? So he's saying prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the breath, say to come. So there's a third key there that after we speak, after we prophesy to the dry bones, we have to go to the Father because we have to be completely reliant upon the Father, right? And, that the, and, we, and we, we request and we... And we uh, set a petition for, like, we, we ask God, we don't have to beg for him, but we ask God to come and feel, to bring life to these dry bones, to bring life to these people, to bring life to the dry bones of 2020. Yeah. You see, prophesying always sounds like such a big, like, fancy word, right? And some of you might have already tried checking out on me because you're like, prophesy? For one, I don't even think that's for today. But as Kirsty was prophetically singing, that ain't, she didn't even, I don't know if her planning that, um, when she was talking about how he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? And, and I'll go to a scripture, and there's many of them in the New Testament that even talks about it, right? But prophesying there, there's one thing that I want to say about prophesying too. And when I'm speaking prophetically, I'm speaking of moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm speaking of words of knowledge. I'm speaking of words of wisdom, uh, uh, discerning of spirits and um, prophesying, right? So just real quick, I'm trying to look at time. Uh, just real quick, words of knowledge, knowledge of, of word names, st- stuff like that that, that come uh, to you, dates or whatever, birth dates. Uh, Steve Sampson's been here. He he uh, he gets birthdates a lot, you know, um, that type of stuff. Wisdom, words of wisdom, gives you like revelation on how to go about something, how to do something. Discerning of spirits. I used to think I operated in the discerning of spirits all the time because I could see sin on people. I'm like, oh, that dude is like in. He's not good. And I used to stiff arm people. And then God said, the reason why you did that is because you had no love. It wasn't no discerning of spirits. It don't, take, it don't even take the Spirit of God to show you that somebody is in sin. You know what I mean? Yeah, so there's some secret sins that God might speak to you. I'm not saying that, that it doesn't happen. And I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be there for our brothers. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is I used to judge people off of a feeling that I got off of them. I'm just being real. I used to do it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm probably not the only one. So, um, But... But I, what I learn about discerning of spirits, it can even be like mantles or like a spirit of, um, of you know, pastoralship or, or something like that. A mantle of pastoral, like there's discern, excuse me, discerning of things that you see and you can speak to that person and it catapults them into their their calling or or where they're supposed to go or or a house that that you've been talking about buying like there could have been a word given to Kenneth and and his family about a word and they're kind of him on about doing this uh, house and then there could have been a word spoken that hey this is my this is my blessing on you you know what i mean and one thing that i also want to say too is if you operate in the prophetic that doesn't make you a prophet Okay, and there could be somebody that wants to argue that and say, I've listened to this guy for 10 years ministering, and he says that you are. It's not scriptural. I mean, it, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about that the Holy Spirit will give the gifts at his will, right? But then Paul talks about eagerly pursuing those gifts. And I want to go to it. 
um, because the or it says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. That word desire means to be zealous for or to burn for desire, to pursue ardently. It says to to be zealous for it. And I've always, and that was something that I was always afraid of. We need to be we don't need to be seeking the gifts. We need to be seeking the gifter. And then God showed me this scripture. We need to be seeking the gifter first, but we need to be zealously desiring the gifts. Why? Because it brings edification to the church. It brings comfort to the church. You see, prophetic words could be for us or it could be for the church, like I just said with Kenneth. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I I'm keep, keep going to you. But the house thing. What if Kevin got the prophetic word? It ain't for him. For the house, it's for Kenneth. But on the same token, with baby Titus here, our youngest, I was praying about a month before he was born, and I heard God speak to me, and he says, there'll be air tubes, but he'll be good. Air tubes, no. I argued. I argued with it. But then in the operating room, because she had a C-section, I was moving around the um, anesthesia table and all that, moving around that. And I don't got time for the whole testimony, but if you want to hear it, like come and get with us or reach out to us or something. But Titus wasn't breathing for the first three minutes of his life. And I'm moving around this anesthesia table and I start hearing this, this word coming to me. There'll be air tubes, but he'll be good. There'll be air tubes, he'll be good. And I just start sitting in this peace, this most heavenly peace. I can't explain it other than it was heavenly there was so much peace that the nurses and doctors kept saying, you all right, Dad? And I'm like, yeah, Jesus is good. There was no fear. Why? Because a prophetic word was spoken to me. We have a family right here on the front row that just had uh, a word, or the doctors, the, the uh, testimony of it this week, correct? So when Ricky was born, there was a hole in the heart. Correct me, you can speak out. I'm not like, if, if, you got, if I'm wrong to say it. Speak up, and I'll say it through the mic. But Ricky, four years ago, um, when she was born, she had a hole in her heart. And they said, at some point, she's going to have to have heart surgery. Right then, God spoke to Casey and said, no. He said, no. And he starts showing her a picture of the Red Sea being covered. That was four years ago. And this week they go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh yeah, I forgot this part. It took them a long time to come out and tell them because they were trying to find the hole. And they come out and they said, there ain't a hole. She, she ain't going to have to have heart surgery, right? And then I sit here, I got, my eyes got wet watching her worship here. She's laying up here and she's just worshiping. I'm like, come on, Jesus. But see, she's been, the whole family's been sustained, been, been at peace. I mean, I'm not saying that this walk has been easy. We've, we've, we've been, they've been going here the whole time. And so I know the walk with, with Ricky's not been easy, but I'm telling you right now that the whole heart surgery thing has been spoken to her that it'll be covered, the hole will be filled, Right? They've been sustained with the prophetic word. I asked Casey if I could speak this this morning. And I said, hey, so let me ask you. I said, so since you got that word, have you been speaking that and praying over that? And she's like, yeah. So what has she been doing? She's been speaking to those dry bones. Right? She got that prophetic word from the third heaven. Right? To a first heaven situation. From a second heaven influence. And she starts speaking that. Kyle starts speaking that over his daughter. Part of the other thing with Titus, he's telling us uh, that he had, there's 99% sure he had achondroplasia, which is little people syndrome. Like, that's how they explain it to us. So I don't know any other way. Um, it's like midgets, right? It, because his arms and legs were in the less than one percentile. We went home, we started, we got scripture, and we started prophesying scripture over them. He comes out, he's perfectly healthy.
Let's turn to Acts 9. Because we see that in the Old Testament. We see this through that, but I want to show you. And this is the scripture that God gave me for this word this morning. And like I said, we, we need to... There, there's many scriptures in the New Testament. So is it for today? Yeah, it's for today. I mean, that, it's for edification of our church. You know, there's churches out there that need life spoken into them because they are dry. And I'm not talking badly about them. I mean, those are our brothers and sisters, you know what I mean? But they need life. So as you're turning there, I still hear pages turning. I'm going to ask you, who is Mordecai Ham? Does anybody know who that is? One? He, he's, the, he's the traveling evangelist that led Billy Graham to the Lord when Billy Graham was nine years old. Does anybody... Now, this might be a more common one, okay? This, since a lot of you didn't get that one, I'm going to give you a break on this one. How many of you guys know Ananias? Ananias. Couple? So there's a couple more, Right? So Ananias is the one, and we're, gonna fi- we're fixing to read about him. He's the one who God gave a prophetic word to go to Saul, Paul. How many, how many know Paul? How many know Billy Graham? Are you, are you guys willing? Are you guys willing to go and look like a dog for the next Billy Graham? Because that might be your call to fame. Nobody knows you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, none of you guys, like one new, new Medekiah Ham. I, I think I'm saying that right. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, and I mean, I've, I like reading about the God's generals, you know, like Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, all those, like, those old ones. I've never heard of Medek, Medek, am I saying that right? Mordecai Ham. Who is he? But that was his... That's the thing. I mean, think about that. Like, if he wouldn't have done what he did, would Billy Graham have been able to minister the ones that he ministered to? I better go to Acts 9. Too. All right, let's start here. Verse 10. I'm not going to complain. It's dark. Jesus is good. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said to in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in in, and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So that's Jesus talking, right? To Ananias, because it's red, red letters in my Bible. And he's given him a prophetic word, a third heaven thing, right? Ananias answered, he says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But Jesus, don't you know that that was the guy, the lead guy for, for that riot that happened last night? Isn't that the guy that burned down the Capitol or set a fire on the Catholic Church? Because here's the thing, Paul was the one who held the coats of the one stone in Stephen. He was part of the problem he was the one persecuting Christians. Ananias is saying, God, or Jesus, don't you know who you're talking about? Because our first heaven mentality says that guy's not worthy. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is the chosen vessel of mine. To bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the, lo- the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has, as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. You see, going and being obedient, he might have looked like, like, can you imagine that thought of Ananias like being like, because here's the thing about the prophetic too, is, Curse, can I talk about James? Okay. So, so we miss it, right? As we're learning to hear from God, we miss it. And one morning we're going out to like, going, uh, going to stores and stuff, and we're hoping to minister the gospel to people. And Kirsty was praying before we left, and she says, I, I see somebody in red that I'm supposed to pray for, and, and I got the name James. Okay, so we're walking through Walmart and this lady turns this corner and I'm not kidding from head to neck red. I'm like, that is like blatant, like no question asked. That is the person you're supposed to talk to. You know what I mean? She was a nurse. She was in red scrubs and everything like that and red shoes on. Um, and literally like, I, th- I don't, I don't even remember now. I'm trying to think if there's a red bow in her hair or something, you know what I mean? Cause it was red everywhere. So she got to pray with her and everything like that. Right. And, um, so then we're on the hunt for James and I mean, hunt it was because Kirstie walked up to a guy. She's like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is him. Like, I feel like God highlighted it. All right. Is your name James? No, nope, sorry. It's not. Okay. Go on. I don't know how many people in the store, like five people in the store. We go out in the parking lot and she's still asking people because now she's getting desperate. You know what I mean? (laughs) Is your name James? And this one gentleman goes, no, but what's he look like? I don't know. I'm trying to find him. (laughs) This guy literally, I'm not joking. This guy literally, he was probably from here to the doors to his vehicle and he walks back to the vehicle because he thought we were on drugs. Like he thought we were lunatics because we were parked right next to him. So we go to our truck or I'm already in getting in my truck. I'm like, I'm tired of hearing about James and being embarrassed. You know what I mean? But think about Ananias going to Paul because did I miss it? Did I hear God correctly? Because here's a guy who's been killing Christians and I'm thinking I'm supposed to be going and giving this prophetic word to him. Is he willing to look like a dog? See, like I said, this is, uh, this is so close to my heart because I didn't ever know a name for it, right? But I knew this is how I come to the Lord. But I didn't, like, put it all together, right? So when I first started coming to church here, I sat in back because, and some of you guys sitting in back might be thinking the same thing. I can get out of here quickly. Nobody sees me, right? And, and I'd come to church a couple of different times before that. I knew the pastors. Um, they married some friends of mine. That's how I got to know um, pastors Darren and Lynette. Um, mostly at the beginning was through that. Um, but it was the third time. So like I said, I'd been there a couple times, but the third time that I'd hit rock bottom and then went to church. So I'd hit rock bottom Started going to church the third time after service. There I go. It was over at the hotel. I'm moving out like quickly, trying to get out the door. Didn't want to talk to nobody, right? Pastor Lynette stops me. She goes, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, yeah. So she pulls me over. She sits down. She's like, God gave me this vision of you. Or God gave me a vision, and I believe it's for you. And the vision is this little boy... He, and this might not even make sense to you guys, okay? But, and it don't have to. The prophetic words don't have to make sense to even the person giving it, right? But she, she said, I see this little boy playing with sticks. And he likes to set the sticks down. And he likes to get close to people. But then when he starts getting close to people, he starts getting scared that those people are going to hurt him. And so he picks the sticks back up and he starts fighting the people off with the sticks. 
Let me tell you something. That was me to a T. Okay? Might not make sense to you, but it dang sure made sense to me. I went to my other buddy who he believed in God. He believed in Jesus. But I did too, but so did the demons, right? I mean, I was raised Catholic, raised... Uh, you know, or raised Catholic till uh, fifth grade and then went to Methodist church after my parents' divorce. So it's not like I was, you know, not competent of anything about the Bible or anything. So I believed, right? But so did the demons. Because I lived, I was a hellion. You know, that was, that's why the chuckle was earlier about knowing me from before, you know? I was a hellion. And so I'm talking to my other heathen buddy that believes. And I didn't even say, hey, this pastor talked to me. No, I said, I think God is calling me. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, well, this pastor, this lady pastor talked to me and told me about this vision. And like, it was like God speaking directly to me. Completely changed my life. You see, Pastor Lynette was so willing to take, to take that risk, to go out on a, on a limb and, and say, I'm going to take this enemy's territory. The enemy has a stronghold. I mean, I've said this before, and I, this is not a, oh, yeah, I'm, this is how bad I was or anything like that. Because this is just in, I like to exalt Jesus in this because this is where he brought me from. But, like, <laughs> when I sat down with pastors the first time, Pastor Darren thought I was going to punch him. I thought it was a good conversation serious we sat down at perkins and he said just the look in your eye i thought you were getting ready to punch me at any any time you know what i mean and uh like i seriously thought it was good i I left there in peace that was what peace was to me you know what i mean but a year later i thanked him for going through walking with me and he says up to this point because he said thank you i said thank you for what and he says up to this point you were the worst case that's ever come into our church i said well i'm glad i could help in some way you know what i mean he said we, me and Lynette knew that you were only on a one-way street, and we didn't know if that street was going to end in your grave or end in prison, but it was going to end. So they seen that. They seen that it was where I was at, and they said, no, I'm going to, she said, I'm going to speak this word, and I'm going to jerk this one out of the enemy's grip. Right. See, we're in a war. We're in this battle around us all the time, Right? There's a spiritual war going on around us. If you don't feel that they're trying to, like, guess what? I'm, here's a secret, too, um, that some people don't know. Satan don't like you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember saying when I was a heathen, like, well, at least I'll have, be with my friends in hell if I go to hell. No, you ain't going to have love and, and all that in your heart, so you ain't going to have friends in, in, in hell. You know what I mean? So... They're, he's constantly trying to set up to get rid of you. He's trying to constantly divide you and separate you from, from God and from others. I mean, you see families and stuff like that. Okay, I'm starting to run short here. But I want, I want to go through these real quick because this was... I, I didn't want to talk about this stuff because a lot of people, they say, well, I, I don't hear from God. Or hearing from God is just for special people. Or my past is way too bad to, to hear from God. See, the blood of Jesus already covered that. The blood of Jesus covered your past. So there's nothing that you have done that, that, can, that can stop the voice of God. God has been pursuing you for... God has been pursuing you from the beginning of time. And He wants you. He wants you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you to wipe away all your sins. So why would he not want to talk to you? If I had more time, I even thought about this this morning. It wasn't planned, but I wanted to bring somebody up here. And I wanted them to act like me and me act like God and me just not say nothing. And them try having a conversation with me. And I'm just like, is that how God is? No. And the other thing is, is he is the high priest. We don't need somebody to go to him to talk to us anymore we don't have to go you don't have to go to pastor darren say hey this is what's going on you know can you ask god to forgive me or anything like that like he's the high priest he is the one our way right 
So I want to squash that. So, but there's people that are like, I just don't hear it. I just don't hear God. I believe that you do, but you just don't know it. And so this is my main, main thing I wanted to get to was I wrote down, and there's probably more, and these go in depth. I just ain't got time to go into them. But I wrote down 11 ways that God will speak to us. One, an audible voice. That is like a no-brainer, right? And if, like, I haven't had it. I haven't had, God ain't spoke to me in that way. Um, that's the other thing. Don't, don't try to replicate how God talks to you of how he talks to somebody else. Like, he's going to talk to you. But these are just ways that he speaks to people. And so I want you, I'm going to challenge you guys here in a second. I want to talk about that, about how start listening, okay? But he's ta- he talks in that audible voice. A quickened portion of scripture. He might, he might remind you of a scripture that even, even in the time that you're for yourself, um, if you're in a, in a time of battle or, or you know, uh, you get a bad report on something, he might give you a scripture, you know, finances. And, and he gives you the scripture in Malachi 3 where bring the tithes and offerings to the storehouse and, and uh, you will be... I can't even remember now all of it. You'll be protected and I'll open up heavens and, and I'll devour the, um, the enemy. I'm, I'm using some of my words. So look it up, Malachi 3. That's your homework. Um, but, but anyways, like those scriptures come to you in, in the time and that's God talking to you. An idea or, or an impression, right? There's impressions that, and these are like a weighted idea. Like you, you're like, why did I just walk up to this register and like completely felt like, there is something wrong with this lady's knee or, or something like that, right? Um, I, was that, I was that human being and, and I was praying and asking God, hey, what do you got for this lady? What do you got for this lady? I wasn't getting nothing. The lady in the back walked forward and boom, I, I, God spoke to me and, and he's like, there's something up, like, I felt like there was something up with, with her dad, right? And as it started going, I was like, I don't think the dad's there anymore. Like, I just felt like there was a loss there right? And so I asked her, I said, ma'am, this might sound crazy, but I'm a Christian. I believe God can talk to us. And, and I said, is there something with your dad? Because I just didn't want to be like, hey, does your dad die? You know, I didn't want to say that. So there's ways to talk, right? But I want, like, I was like, is there something up with your dad that I can pray for or something? And she's like, my, and she got tears in her eyes. She said, my dad died when I was young. I said, that's what I was thinking. And I said, I apologize. My dad died when I was young. I was able to, you know, share with her a little bit there. And then it come to me and, and I was like, but God wants you to start coming to him because he wants to father you. And I started speaking this, this word to her and it just melted her. But see, if I only gave the one word, you know what I mean? But I didn't come back for the life to be spoken into her. Then nothing would have been changed, you know, but those are impressions. Feeling something emotionally or physically, you might you might walk up on somebody and you just feel like like they're uh, like a sadness or a or a grieving or a or something like that. Um, might be something there. Picture in the in your mind's eye. This is this is where this is where God talks to me a lot. Um, that's what I seen on Kenneth when I seen the oil dripping off of his hands. I seen that in my mind's eye, and, and I seen the treasure box sitting there with his family. A word comes to mind. I talked about that with Steve Sampson, birthdays, all this stuff. Steve Sampson, when he's here, you guys want to come for sure. But uh, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be like December, one, one night I know is December 25th. And like two people stood up. Like what's the odds of two people in the same room being born on Christmas? You know what I mean? And, and then he comes up and then as they come up, he don't get nothing until they come up. And then when they come up, sometimes I believe that when he lays hands on them, that's when the rest of the word starts coming. So he'll give you that word and you might, that's what I was saying. It might not make sense to you. But once you engage in that word, then the rest of it comes. Dreams, that goes deep. Like he'll talk to you in dreams. Um, There's a whole, there's teachings and teachings and teachings on dream interpretation. Waking visions, like actual visions uh, through angels. Excuse me, he speaks through angels. Obviously, that's like the audible voice. If you, uh, if you have an angel talking to you, you're going to know it. Like, there, ain't, there probably ain't much missing about it. Sorry. Uh, you say, 
uh, you see something symbolic or a person that reminds you of somebody. My wife, she's like, that person looks familiar. I know her from somewhere. I said, you just seen her in Walmart, you know? But then I learned that that's actually how God speaks. And like, he could be, if you listen, like you could be, he could be speaking to you, say your sister is going through something and you, this, this lady over here reminds you of your sister. Well, that could be the exact thing of what's being, what God's trying to speak to you and that you need to go and speak life into, right? And then the spiritual senses. This is something that I've never had. I learned this through a little class. But a lady, uh, spiritual senses, five senses, right? Feeling, taste, smell, everything like that. A lady walk, walked up to this other lady and instantly she started tasting alcohol in her mouth. And the lady was struggling with alcoholism. I've never had that before. Be cool. You know what I mean? Some of these ways are definitely cool, but I know how God speaks to me and I'm growing in other ways. And that's what I want. I want to tell you guys this. God is speaking to you. And we got wars going on. We got people that are lost. Me and Kirstie and uh, Christine went out last week after worship night. And it was kind of a flop for like an outreach deal. Uh, I felt like it was. Um, because our restaurant took a long time. I'm not going to name the restaurant because I'm not going to talk bad about it. But it just took a long time. And we had Titus and all this stuff. And we leave. And Christine got to talk to one, one person. She prayed with him, blessed him. And then we're, we're leaving, you know, because I was like, man, it's like 9 o'clock at night. And we got a baby out here in the streets of Greeley. And we walk around this corner. And there's this guy standing there. And I don't remember how we engaged in talking or whatever. But... He said, oh, I know what it was. He said, it talked about the, the, um, about Titus and, and you picked a wrong year, blah, 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 to have a baby. And I was like, well, can't there be blessings in 2020? And he says, I don't know. I'm an atheist. Didn't even talk about God yet. I just said blessings. Like I know, I know people that don't believe in God that talk about blessings, right? But he, he wanted to openly talk about atheism. And so I was like, well, I said, that's all right. I said, Jesus believes in you just because you don't believe in him. He believes in you. You know what I mean? And, uh, I wasn't getting nothing. So I was like, okay, I, I'm going to go because I knew what was fixing to happen. Well, Curse was interested in hearing his side. So we go back. <laughs> and she wanted me to ask him, why, why do you believe the way you believe? You know? And so I did. And this guy was so much smarter than I was. I mean, about all the books against the Bible. He read them. He has a philosophy degree, you know. He has all this stuff, and he's, like, dropping all these things to me. And I'm like, man, you know way more than that. And he's talking about science, and I'm beating up science. He's beating up the Bible. There was, it was going nowhere. And I told her, the, I told Kirsty, we left two hours later. Ha! Out on the streets. I, still, I hear these gunshots. Like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure those are gunshots. And Kirsty's over here, and I'm talking to this guy. And he's like, oh. I'm from Brooklyn, or I just spent 12 years in Brooklyn. I don't even pay attention to that stuff anymore. I'm like, I do. I got my wife and baby here on the streets, you know what I mean? Like talking about it. Well, at the end, he wanted to talk about politics too. And so, but it was cool. We talked, we, we communicated, we didn't argue and stuff like that. But I wasn't getting no third heaven revelation. And I told Kirstie, I was like, the only way this man will ever come to Jesus is through the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And see, that's what... The, the time has come and gone of just Christians being nice. The time has come and gone of Christians just wanting to say, you know, I gave an encouraging word to a, to a uh, uh, lady at the gas station. Just encourage her. I was like, hey, like it's so cool that, that you're in a good mood. Like I walk up to people anymore and it's like they got... Like, especially if you, they're wearing a mask, you're not wearing a mask, or vice versa, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like hatred. But this lady, I walk up to her, and she's like, happy. And I'm like, hey, like, it is so nice that you're, that you're happy. But here's the thing. There was no revelation from the third heaven. See, the time has come and gone where people's going to just come, come and, and, like, be open to anything just because you're nice. What is, this, what is the saying that uh, the good deeds are the, are the pathway to hell or whatever? Or the path of hell is full of good intentions? Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? Like being nice, 
I know a lot of nice people that don't believe in Jesus. That dude that we talked to, he's nice. So this is my challenge to you. I got to get going. Um, got to let you guys get out of here. Um, this is my challenge to you. Pull up one a day. You guys willing? Yeah. One a day to look, possibly look like a dog. And ask God, you got something for somebody in here. Yeah. Whether it's at your job, whether it's at a store you're going to, whether it's at a gas station, whether it's at your family reunion, whatever it is. I challenge you guys one a day just to start speaking life to the dry bones in 2020. Yes. Amen. You guys willing? Yes. All right. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your, your word, for your Holy Spirit, Father. Father, we just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, that you would just be filling every single one of these people here today, Father. Father, we pray, Lord, as you went before Ananias didn't even spoke to Paul. You'd already spoken to Paul. You already, he already knew that Ananias was coming. So, Father, I pray that you start going before these people. You start setting the path for them, and they just come in with a reconfirming word. Father, that you would give them the boldness, that you'd show them how reliant they need to be on you. That you'd take them deeper into a deeper revelation with you. That you'd take them deeper into your heart. That you'd give them a heart burning for the lost. Burning for the person that that's on the other side of the aisle. Burning for the, for the other uh, people that are, that are speaking against what, you, what they believe in, Father. Father, just let their hearts burn for you. Burn in the way that you burn. And we just thank you for it. I just want to ask everybody, if there's nobody in here that has ever accepted Jesus as their Lord, and they want to do that today, would you raise your hand? Okay, and then if there's anybody that has, that wants to rededicate, that's slipped away, that's backslid, that whatever, whatever, got distracted in their relationship with God, and they just want to recommit and say, I want you. Is there anybody like that today? Yep, see ya. See ya, see ya. Yep, several. Several, see you in the back. Yep. So, Father, we just uh, lift up these, uh, these people, Father God. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that you just draw them closer. That as they just come to you in, in forgiveness and just recommit to you, Father God, that you are so good that they can just taste and see your goodness. And so we thank you for it. We give you glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you guys. Sorry I went over. I hope this helps. Um, I, hope, I hope you guys are blessed with it. Um, anyways, thank you guys. Kenneth.